with us last week. Um, talked about how our church, we sense that we're kind of in the beginning of the season where, where God is wanting to begin healing people, like emotionally, physically, spiritually. We've kind of been sensing that, that there's something significant about this, this family here at Marathon where, where, where God has been speaking this to us. And you can go back and listen to the podcast if you weren't able to be with us last week. And I'm telling you, holding a healing service um, has brought the full range of emotions in my heart this week. And so uh, many of you guys don't know me, many of you do. But um, so I got done talking last Sunday and I immediately go to the back and I thought, what did we just step into? Like, oh no, we are in trouble now. And, um, and so obviously I've just, I've been wrestling with, man, did uh, doubt, unbelief, like, uh, are people going to come next week? Are, are people done with us as a family? Like, are, do they think I'm crazy? Do they think like, what? and I just living in this place of just unbelievable doubt and uncertainty. At the same time, I've been just filled with this indescribable joy this week. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've just started thinking about the ways that God has already started to heal people in our church. And undeniable, God, just the almighty God is touched down and do what only he can do. And, and it's just brought me so much joy. I think about a conversation I had right after teaching last week with one of my dear friends and he comes up to me and he says, this was so cool. He said, God healed our little girl just a couple weeks ago. I think about my friend Rob and he sent me this, he sends me this message and he broke his knee a couple months ago and um, he has this big brace on his leg and, and we just prayed a couple weeks ago at church and he sent me this email this week and he said, it's crazy. He said, I'm, I'm, there's been no pain like he said, the doctors told me that this wouldn't be this way for, for another year or so. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sending you this email. I'm not lying. Like I'm walking pain-free right now. And uh, I think about my friend Mary and a couple weeks ago. And I know some of this is, this is crazy. This is stretching for a lot of us. And that's okay. That's, our God is invisible. And that's crazy in and of itself. And uh, I think about Mary. And she kind of had this, this, this vision that she was going to meet somebody this day. And they had this brace on their arm. And she walks into the subway and there's this guy with a brace on his arm. And, and she walks up to him and, and she says, hey, I know this is weird. I don't remember all the details, but essentially, can I pray for you? I think God wants to heal you. And, and so she prays for him in the middle of the subway line. And, and she asks him to take the brace off and he starts doing this. And you can get all the details, but she's like, I've, I've, I couldn't do this before. Like my, my wrist is better. And, and, I'm, and I'm telling you these things because I'm going, oh, it doesn't matter if you don't believe it or not. I want you to believe. That's what I'm, I'm hoping is that we believe that our God is still involved and that he's healing. And I've been thinking about all the ways that he's already beginning to work in our midst. And also I'll say this, I, I haven't lived with my head in the clouds all week either. Like, I was praying on Tuesday morning and just overwhelmed with the pain in the world. The pain in our lives. The, pro the poverty and the problems that are all around us. I think about one of my good friends, his name's Josh. And, nephew was born to him two months ago down in Houston, Texas. And the baby came out and he had spots all over his body and they didn't know what it was. And so they sent him to this special um, pediatrician and they, and they looked and they realized, oh, this is, this is a rare form of cancer that we've never seen before. And they get in and they realize that this little two-month-old baby now has leukemia, the worst type of leukemia that you can have. And I'm going, oh. And I look around the room and I go, the reason that some of you are you're not just happy and raising your hands and dumping around is because you've got some just heavy stuff going on in your life. Think about what Nana told me earlier this week. You know, Nana's our volunteer coordinator here at Marathon. She's this amazing woman of God. She has a heart for 
the refugees that are, that are living in our city from all over the world that have come to Nashville. And, and she said that the people that supply the, the food bank for, for refugees in Nashville is getting really low and it's getting depleted. And I'm going, man, how? I, I just see the, the, the world that we're in. The things that are going on in us and around us. And I don't know if you've ever been in this place before, but, but you just feel so unbelievably helpless and hopeless. And I was reminded this week, what do we do? What do we do when we feel helpless? What do we do with our sadness? What do we do with our despair? About our situation or the situation of people that we care deeply about. What do we do? We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. And this morning, I just, right before I got up to teach, I was reminded that, that as a church, we don't worship healing, we worship Jesus. That we worship our King. And, and all week I've been thinking about this passage in Luke chapter 4. And I go, when we're reminded of the pain in the world, when we're reminded of the pain in us, we need Jesus. We need to be reminded that we serve a God who is so much bigger than us. So let's jump into Luke chapter 4 for a few minutes. I love this text. Uh, starting in 14, I think it's on page 718. 718, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about Jesus spread through the whole countryside. Jesus was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And, I, and here just to kind of give us a, a picture of what's going on. So Jesus, he goes to the church that he grew up in. And he gets to do the scripture reading that day in the order of worship. So he goes up front. He takes the scripture and he gets behind the table and he puts the microphone on. And he finds this one passage. Isaiah this is what he reads, verse 18. This is Jesus Christ. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to his attendant and he sat down. And I love this, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now a couple of things I want us to notice about this beautiful passage. We could spend all day and I would love to do that sometime. Instead of a healing service, we'll have a preaching service where I just preach for 10 hours and none of you guys will come to that. Uh -huh. First thing I want us to notice in Luke chapter four is that, that he notices and cares about the pain in the world. You can write this down, you can put this in your phone. This is the unchanging nature of who our God is, that he notices and he cares about the pain in our world. I love that Jesus shows up and he is so acutely aware of what is going on in the world that he created. And here's the reality, that God has always cared 
that there's never been a second where God hasn't cared about his people, his creation. There's never been a moment where the pain of this world, that God has turned his head from it. That our God from the beginning of time has always cared about the pain and the problems and the poverty that have existed in people. You see this in the book of Exodus where the people are in slavery. And God doesn't turn away from them. He doesn't harden his heart to them. It says that he notices them and he cared. You see this in Isaiah chapter 58. This passage has been wrecking my heart this week where it's this beautiful passage. You can go and read it. It talks about how God notices those and he cares about those who are hungry, who don't have shelter, who don't have clothes. He cares. Or you look at the life of Jesus, just one little story here in Luke chapter seven, this, this widow, her husband's passed away. She has one kid, her kid dies. Could you imagine that pain? And Jesus is walking into her hometown one day and they have the hearse and they have the cars lined up with their lights on, driving through the city streets and it says that Jesus notices and his heart is filled with compassion. That God has always cared, he's always noticed his people and their problem and their pain. And he notices your pain. And he notices your problems. And he notices the problems in our city and in our country and in our world. And he cares. Think about this with me. When someone that you care deeply about is hurting, like who is someone right now, just picture them, that you care so much about? When they are hurting, it deeply affects you, doesn't it? And God, our Father, He sent His own Son to die for us. That's how much He loves us. He cares. And we need not to doubt if God cares about our suffering. For God has always cared and he cares now. And I believe that's part of why he's put this healing service on our hearts. It's because some of you, you just need to know that the creator, the invisible God cares about you. He sees what is going on. I love what we see in Luke chapter four. It's not that, just, that Jesus just cares because he does care and that matters immensely. But the second thing that we see about this beautiful passage in Jesus is that he came to do something about it that he came to do something about it. Did you notice the scope of which Jesus came to fix and heal and restore, how big his mission was and is? He says, I've come for the poor. I've come for the prisoners. I've come for the blind. I've come for the oppressed. And I go, Jesus Christ's arrival is good news for all of these people. Why? How? Here's the reality, if you're sitting in a chair today, if you're here, if you're breathing, every single one of us experience brokenness. Every single one of us have been wounded. Every one of us, there's not a person that you're sitting, that's here today that hasn't. And I want us to see this. No matter what our brokenness is, no matter how we've been wounded, we all need Jesus. It's that simple. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. Why is Jesus' arrival good news for the poor? 
He shows up and he pulls out the scriptures and he stands up in front of this diverse group of people and he says, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor. Why is his arrival good news? I don't know all the answers to this, but I do think I know part of it. It's because he wants the, 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 the poor to understand that they matter. That you're not overlooked by God. And he's not looking to push you out to the outskirts of society. In the kingdom of God, you're not going to be discriminated against because of your social class or how much money you make or where you live or where you don't live. He doesn't show favoritism to those in our culture like we do who have fame and wealth and status. He's good news to the poor, he's good news to the poor because he treats all people the same with dignity and honor. Why is Jesus' proclamation of freedom for prisoners important? The second thing that he mentions, why is that important? Prisoners, not always. I know there are exceptions, even in the Bible. But prisoners are those who are punished because of their own choices. Why is Jesus good news? Why is Jesus good news to prisoners? Because each and every one of us are prisoners in a sense. We might not be locked up by, behind bars and in jail. But each and every one of us have said things and done things that we're ashamed of. That have hurt other people, that have hurt God. And there's nothing we can do to get ourselves out of that. And the reason Jesus is such good news is because he offers forgiveness. A fresh start. He offers a freedom to not be controlled by our fleshly desires or by the demonic influences in our world. Freedom to live a new life, receiving love and grace from our Heavenly Father and giving it to each other. Why is Jesus' recovering of sight for the blind important? The word recovery is key. Whenever you recover a document on your computer, you had it, you lost it, and you got it back. And it's like Jesus is wanting us to know that he's about making us as we were intended to be, all of us. And I'll just be honest, I don't know how all of our physical ailments work. I don't know how they enter our body, where they come from, why we have them. But it is unquestionable that Jesus healed people physically. You cannot read the Gospels and not see a story where Jesus isn't healing people. And here's what hit me. Jesus' ministry wasn't just one of sermons. It was one of signs and wonders. That he healed a man that was born blind in John chapter 9. That Jesus cured fevers and skin diseases in Mark chapter 1. That he healed a paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2. He, held a, he healed a woman who had female-related issues for 12 years. And he raised from the dead a little girl that was 12 years old, all in Matthew 9. You see, healing was important. It was important. It's undeniable. The physical healing of people's body was important to Jesus. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have done it. He shows us that he recovers for us, but we're not able to recover for ourselves. 
points to his bigness, our inability. Why is Jesus setting the oppressed free significant? You know, those who are oppressed, they suffer because of others' poor choices. Maybe you haven't thought about being oppressed in that way. If you've been mistreated, if you've been wounded by other people, you have suffered because of other people's choices. You have lived in oppression. Why is Jesus showing up important? Why does he speak into this? I think it's so that we understand that he is a God of justice who doesn't just sweep things under the rug. He doesn't just let unjust situations and demons, even people, have the final word in our stories. And I absolutely love this last line that Jesus reads in Luke chapter four. He says, and God has appointed me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And all week, people way smarter than I I've been reading their books and trying to make sense of what this means and there's no consensus. And I go, instead of standing up here and giving you a long list of things that people think that it means, I go, I wanna talk about why I think it's a year of the Lord's favor instead of what it is. And I believe that Jesus says it's a year of the Lord's favor because Jesus has come. That God, think about this, that God would come to earth. How much more favor can he show? And he didn't just appear for a day. He didn't just dip his toes into our world, into our suffering. No, he jumped all the way in for 33 years. This was no short-term mission trip. That God, infinite, eternal, powerful, that our God would choose to enter this world that he created as a poor Middle Eastern baby boy that God didn't choose the palace. He didn't put himself in any place of privilege to grow up in. Isaiah chapter 53 says that he was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Jesus was a man of suffering, that he was familiar with pain. None of us choose pain. If we have the option, none of us want it, right? the spiritual or psychological pain that we carry from poor choices or from someone else's poor choices that have affected us, the physical pain that we carry from sickness, disease, the emotional pain that we carry from loss. The reality is that, that we want to avoid these at all costs. It's why we take our vitamins and go to the gym and go to the juice bar. It's why we see our counselors and join accountability groups because we don't want the pain and for good reason. And yet I hope we see the God that we serve. He willingly chose suffering. He willingly chose the pain. He sent a son into the world where he was hated and misunderstood, where he suffered and died alone on a cross, the creator of it all, the creator of us all, suffering the most humiliating and painful public death. And I can tell you as a father, the father would rather suffer than the son any day. And he shows his full extent of his love for us. He entered the story. He entered our story. And God did not stand aloof. He does not stand aloof from our suffering. He got in it with us to save us, 
to restore us, to lead us. And so here we are today. And let me ask you, where do you need this Jesus? He's not just for the person beside you, he's for you. And he's not just for you, he's for me. Where do you need this Jesus and his power and his work in your life? For some, it's your heart. That you need Jesus here. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 40. He says, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Do you believe that Jesus came? That he died, that he rose again? Do you believe that he cares about you? That he came for you? Listen to these words. He says, if you believe, you will have eternal life. If you're sitting in these chairs right now and you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. What he's saying is that one day, every single one of us is gonna die. All of us are going to die. And we're gonna stand face to face with God, our maker, And Jesus says, for those of you who believe in me, who trust in my goodness and in my sacrifice, in my realness, I will raise you up on the last day. These are the words of Jesus. If you believe, you have everlasting life. And there are some that are, you come here today and you've been trying to do this life thing by yourself and you're wondering why it's not working out. It's because you've never invited him in. never invited him in. Do you believe in Jesus? If you believe in Jesus right now, your life is forever changed. It just is. If you trust in the work of Jesus Christ for you. There's something about us fully stepping in. Same way that a husband and wife stand in front and say, I want to, I'm giving my life to you. There's something about us stepping in, going public, making it known to others, to Jesus, that that we're all in with him. And so some of you, you come here today and, and right now, deep in your heart, there's a spark and it's belief. You've never felt it. You've never believed it, but something has changed. Welcome. And if it's your heart, if this is where you need Jesus, if you need him to change your heart, that, that we're going to stand up here in a few minutes. There are going to be some men and women at the back at the respond banner. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you believe, you want to step all the way in, come and talk to one of us. Others of us come here today. And where we need Jesus is here in our head. The wounds that people have given to us the things that we have brought on ourselves and we just can't seem to forgive. We can't quite quite seem to live in the freedom with Jesus. And if you've done everything you know to do and nothing has worked, will you let some of your brothers and sisters lay hands on you and pray in the name of Jesus that he would do what only he can do in your life and help you walk in freedom. So here in just a few minutes, there are going to be, um, when we stand up, there are going to be some people scattered all around the room. They're going to have these respond badges, these little red badges on their, uh, on their chest. And if this is where you find yourself today, 
I invite you to, when we stand up, to, to go to one of them. And just let them pray for you. That it's whether you just need to receive some forgiveness or if this is a long journey where you're beginning to, to forgive someone who has wounded you deeply. Like, as your brothers and sisters, we are in this with you. We're gonna de deal with you so delicately and kindly. And if you will have the courage to, to go to the back and to say, this is where I need Jesus to heal me, we will walk with you. We will help you. It's what the people of God do. We are not just here for ourselves. We are here for you. There are some of you here today and you're in need of physical healing. And I'll just say this. There is no formula, at least that I found. There is not a right prayer. There's not a magic prayer. The fact is, we don't know how it all works. But the fact that, that some of you have come here today because you heard that, that we're having a healing service and you believe that, that God could heal you, that speaks unbelievable volumes about your hope and your faith. That you would come into this place that maybe you've never even been in before. That you come to a God that you cannot even see and you're asking, you're hoping, you're wanting a miracle and that is incredibly wonderful. We are so encouraged by what God is doing in your life. And we stand and sing in just a minute. If you're here today asking God to physically heal you of whatever's going on, I invite you too to go to one of the, the people, the groups of people that are scattered around the room with badges on. And we're just gonna, just gonna pray with you. Asking God to do what only God can do. And I'll say this, um, that I believe that healing is gonna come today. I don't know if anyone else in this room believes, and that's okay. I believe. I believe. I believe that when Jesus would show up in towns and there were people who, who were desperate for him, that Jesus had this way of doing what only he could do. And I believe. I believe in the impossible. I believe that healing is gonna happen today. And I believe that some if we pray, as soon as we get done praying, you're instantly going to notice a difference. The back pain's gone. The migraines are gone. Whatever it is. And I just want to encourage you. If, if, if God so chooses to heal you today as we're praying, I invite you to just rejoice in that. Like, and don't hold back. To celebrate. And if God has healed you, if he heals you today, then he has given you this incredible part of your story and it is your job to proclaim what God has done for you. To tell and not hold back. For others, if you're not healed instantly today, reminded of a couple things. The first is this, that Jesus Christ is coming back one day. And when he does, I love what Acts chapter three says, that he will restore all things. The brokenness in our bodies, the brokenness in our hearts, the brokenness in our minds, the brokenness in our world, that Jesus Christ, when he returns, that all sin and all darkness and the devil will be defeated once and for all. That he will restore all things. 
And if God so chooses not to heal you immediately today, be encouraged that he will. He will. He's faithful. He's faithful. I'm reminded of the story in Mark chapter two where four friends, they brought their friend that was paralyzed to church one day to where Jesus was. They tore a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down and they hoped that, that God would heal him. They hoped that Jesus would do for this man what only he could do. And Jesus looks at this man and he says, your sins are forgiven. And for some of you here today, you came here hoping for physical healing. But what God is really getting at is there's something much deeper. I'm not saying they're connected. I'm just saying that, that maybe he brought you here because you're seeking physical healing. And he's most concerned with setting your heart right. I was praying with a friend last week. Just had a rough life in a lot of ways. And we were praying and, and we got done praying. And he says, this is the very first time that I actually believe that God could heal. And he said, I'm not healed. He said, but there's something that happened in my heart. And I'm going, for those of you who God doesn't choose to heal instantly, don't be discouraged. He will restore you one day. He's working. Keep your life open to him. The second thing I want to tell you, if God doesn't instantly heal you today, these are the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 18. There is something about our persistence in continuing to ask that just so pleases him. And what if God is wanting to develop something in us, a dependence, a character, the character of Jesus in us? And if we just pray one time and then we go, okay, well, God must not want that. What does that say about what we believe? Keep praying. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm almost done talking. I know you're excited about that. And uh, here in just a minute, we're gonna just sit. And I'm just gonna give us a minute to just sit in, in the quiet. You can close your eyes, you can bow your head. I just invite you to, to pray silently. To let God, by the power of the Spirit, search your heart. And if there's something that you need healing for, that he would bring it to your attention. Maybe it's chronic pain in your back or your ear or your jaw. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's a broken bone or depression. Maybe it's a jaded heart. And I pray that you would have the courage to go to the back, humble yourself to ask for prayer. My friend Douglas told me this on Thursday. There's no need to compare suffering for there's always someone that has it worse than you. You need to know that you're worthy of healing. So here's the way this is going to work. We're going to have some people scattered around the room. Just go up to them and tell them what your name is. They're going to ask you what's going on, what they can pray for. If you came with somebody today and you want them to come with you, by all means, invite them to go for prayer. For the rest of you, for those of you who are family here at Ethos, if, if you want to go and join in on the prayer, come and do that with us. If you want to sit in your chair and as Noah and Amanda and Tyler, as they lead us in worship, if you want to stand here and just worship and pray and listen for people to, to respond, if, if you want to just bow on your, uh, on your knees, if you want to fall on your face and pray, let's just let this be a place where we invite the fullness of God, whatever he wants in this place. Us coming here, 
us showing God that we have faith. That's where we need to be. That's where the church belongs. So I invite you, let's just take a minute, be quiet, ask the Lord, search your heart. Then I'll close out our time of prayer and we'll have send us to communion. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for today. For the gift of this family, for the gift of your son, Jesus. Would you speak and move as only you can? God, would we receive, would we invite you all the way in to heal us as only you can? We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.